as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. with murder, there is no better friend in the world to have than my firm. I know you're innocent. I'm the lawyer who lost this. You think you know what the truth is? You're deciding who lives and who dies. These people got nobody else to turn to. All I need is one juror. You screwed up? You lied to me. in one case the political hot button turn partners into rivals last time i checked you weren't listed as a partner Jane, fine a sunday so dramatic you'll have to hold your breath that's enough a new practice after a new alias abc sunday starting at 9 8 central <laughs> I'm the greatest trial attorney that ever lived. You will not beat me. You have a job to do, and so do I. Mine is to cross-examine people like you and crush them. Is that fair? I don't understand the question. Men sometimes find me attractive. From time to time, they'll even hit on me. It's all deeply rewarding, but you, you're hot. Sorry to interrupt, Brad Chase. I like to be straight up with people, and if there's an issue or conflict, let's address it head on, if you don't mind. I have trouble talking that fast. This is my daughter. She tried out for the national tour of Annie, and she was passed over because she was black. What's your case about, Brad? It involves interference with contractual relations. You mean lesbians? You like saying I do. Say it again. Lesbian. Keep going. Lesbian, lesbian. All together now. Lesbian. I also like to watch. Hello, Mr. Criminal. What are you charged with? Murder. You got yourself a top-of-the-line criminal. Miriam has a criminal case. Can I count on your sensitivity? Of course. She's charged with engaging in sexual conduct for a fee. You're a hooker. I'm now before nine presumably intelligent people in the justice business, and you don't care. Mr. Crane, I'm not following your argument. That's because you're a moron. You are in contempt. Mr. Shore, until we meet again. Yes, Your Honor. She's attracted to me. That ruling was suspect. Bribing a judge. I see. There's two of us. Here's a health tip. Walk away. Why would I do that? First of all, I would never, ever do anything like that. Never. Secondly, if I did, I would never, ever cut it. Never. All right, everybody. Walk and load. 
Here we go. We got David Wolf back. How are yeah. we? We're <laughs> discussing the practice. The practice. So, were you familiar with David E. Kelly, a former lawyer turned writer? <laughs> Was I? I? Oh, yes. Yes. Because, I, I mean, L.A. Law, I, I should... I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but I was in law school, like when the practice was on television. So nice. Yeah. And I I always heard about it, but I was more familiar with its spinoff, Boston Legal, Legal, which I had also started watching and probably stopped watching. But I had watched L.A. Law like earlier. So, yeah, I was. My folks were into it because it was just it was the shit. It was the cool thing, you know, that was on in the 80s, along with Illustrated. Yeah. L.A. Law. (laughs) You know, if you want to talk about like best series from that era, it's up there. Like it's it it still holds up. It's not bad. Yeah, it, even with the silly fashion and theme song, you know, there's still there's a reason they're bringing it back. It's got just some unusual just kind of layer to it. You know? yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, so yeah, I was familiar with David Kelly and Mystery Alaska and <laughs> Lake Placid. He had done a bunch of cult comedies, including From the Hip. Which is kind of yeah. and I was on psych. <laughs> I don't think I'd seen any of those. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, but uh, so I started. I watched the practice from the beginning, and it's a pretty strong season looking at it now because I mean, basically, it was a short season, and just that handheld kind of style, making it look like you know you're looking in on this like a OJ trial. You know? My memories are so vague because I I mentioned it to you. I mentioned it on air. I haven't watched it since then. Like these are, you know, I watched it when it ran and that was it. So this is like 20 plus years. Yeah, it's literally eight episodes for season one. And yeah. the remaining season one episodes were in season two. So that's why there's like 30 of them. I remember that happening. Like, it's so funny that I have that that recollection of that. He won. This is also the first time that anyone has won an Emmy for. uh uh, for best drama and best comedy in the same year. Cause he had Ally McBill around the same time. Wow. All which right. later spun off into that. Now I will say I've tried. I don't think Ally has held up as much. It's definitely groundbreaking. I, I tried at the time and I didn't get into it. There's just something about it. I, it did work for me. I, it was trying to go for the chick flick aspect. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, I, back then I would try any type of legal series. I was like, oh, I'll try Ali McGee, you know, and it just, no, it didn't work. But the practice did work. Like, I, I love the practice. It may have been my favorite show. Great cast, great series of character dilemmas. And, 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 and it's great stories. <laughs> even dark comedy moments that I'm like, yeah. I'm, yes. I mean, there's even one time where it, I, I will say this. In the middle of it, I will say some of the serial killer stuff kind of got a little old after oh, a while. They find a dead dog stuffed inside a drawer. You're like, that's a little dark. (laughs) It was pretty crazy, but like early on, there was it was just a good series. And as I mentioned to you, like I had a legal ethics class, and the practice was the basis of this class. The whole basis. (laughs) Every week we end up discussing the ethical dilemma. Or dilemmas, because they would be presented with a bunch of them. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, kind of like I had a government class. And we... the practice every Oh, yeah. yeah so Like, I had a government class, and we would even look at scenes from John Adams in the West Wing. 
<laughs> so you know, and it, yeah, life imitates art, and we're seeing is like okay, you can see why the fiction creators went that direction, and paralleled real life, giving you kind of an idea. It's like okay, yes, obviously you can't have that many outbursts in a courtroom, but they've kind of earned that right because they've created this world, and you really like this kind of character, you know. It it was you know, and this was like right before The Sopranos changed everything, right? You'll really love this. There's one episode where a then semi-known Raymond Cruz uh, is on trial, and he attacks the lawyer played by Anna Gunn, you know, Skyler for Breaking Bad. So I thought oh. that was a fun connection. <laughs> and I mean, I obviously Tuco attacks Skyler. <laughs> wow, wow. Like I, I'm surprised I haven't seen that in some type of meme. But that's that's hilarious. yeah. Not enough people are watching this. Um. You know, and then what? Lara Flynn Boyle ended up being in that series and uh, hot stuff. Um, yeah, she was she was really she was she was a prosecutor. She was really good in it too. Yeah, but, and it, I liked how they would deal with uh, rumors in the workplace because it kind of was kind of advanced, like advancing from like Kelly even said it was basically his spiritual sequel to L.A. Law. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, you know, because Law. I mean, fired. I, they, they had some lesser seasons near the end, but I liked how it ended. Cam, they would use plots. He would reuse the same plot from L.A. Law. Like, I remember that. Hey, yeah, and then they'd end it even more disturbing. That, that was like yeah. even the bigger kicker is like, let's have a racist who's getting off. But instead of just doing the easy way out where he gets killed or gets reprimanded, we're going to have the guy just turned out that he made up the story or just have some other like parallel to it or let's have the sexist in the workplace who no one can prove what they're doing and yet everyone fears them or some shit. You know? Yeah. A, a much, much more realistic. Yeah. You know? uh, it, especially when they, they crossed out over later with like a few other shows that were otherwise unrelated. Like they crossed over with Kelly's Boston public. And I thought that was kind of fun. Just showing how some schools have certain, uh, right to teach certain things and uh how they deal with lawsuits i yeah I, and i think i have a vague recollection of that as well it crossed over also with another show that was on at the same time uh i don't know if you ever saw homicide but andre brogger and his creator that had a short-lived show called gideon's crossing that showed the it was kind of their saying elsewhere but they crossed it over briefly with boston public or uh, boston uh, the practice and it was one of those it worked but it wasn't it, it i wish they would do more like this nowadays like the chicago shows i think are do a good example of how to have a crossover without being intrusive on the main narrative and it seems like other shows for a while they would do crossovers and it wouldn't pay off because it would just i don't know it just would feel too much like a cheap ratings you know want to be you know yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a cheap grab and the ploy the ratings ploy. The ratings ploy. I will say this. This is probably one of the few shows Weeps. where they get rid yeah, oopsie, where they get rid of most of the cast. But it doesn't it's actually pretty welcome just to have, bring in, you know, such a weirdo like James Spader and have him be such another just <laughs> he was great. That's yeah. a law abiding guy. It's like no wonder. I mean, and the show won Emmys once again. There's a reason only seasons one, two, and eight of this are on DVD. <laughs> it's like he, 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 James Spader was fantastic. He ended up being in Boston Public too, right? 
Uh, yeah, about Boston Legal, he and Denny Boston, Crane. Boston Legal, Boston Legal. But yeah, just to see Shatner in that light, you know, after years oh. of stupid <laughs> movies, you know, he'll always be Captain Kirk and TJ Hooker and everything. And it's like to have him be Denny Crane, this Michael, you know, that's the same year as The Office that came out. So I was like, yeah, this is the year of just the shitty bosses who you kind of find amusing. And yet, you know, they're doing everything wrong they could possibly do. I mean, it, it's it's funny how uh, how this pretty much the practice lines up with the Sopranos, right? Like they both start around, the same, don't they? Around the same time, yeah. So that was around '98, and yeah, Sopranos was a year later. But same kind of deal. Like they were getting way darker. There were a lot of shows they were trying on both pay channels and network TV that weren't oh. lasting too long because they're just so dark. You know, it's like the zeitgeist. You know, and and you can also, I mean, kind of presages uh, 9-11 is right on the horizon. As I was really started. surprised going through this. They didn't have too many 9-11 themed plots like so many other shows did. But that's a good point, too. They did talk about other just, you know, freedom of speech, you know, if you know that we're still having today. If you have a hate message, you know, on a piece of paper. And the guy is trying, you know, do they have technically the right, but is it right? You know, <laughs> yeah. if what they're saying is, you know, slurs, you know, <laughs> do you give them that right? Is that still obscene? It's like we will never evolve as a society. So but I will say it goes the extra mile, too, by also just showing how multiple times they're almost being reprimanded or having to close down their firm. Yes. <laughs> and the other show would have just taken the easy way out and said, and that's where we have such and such cast member X. It's like, no, <laughs> this entire season, they're suspended trying to get their license back. <laughs> Definitely, like, much more realistic. Uh, Representing shit. scum this entire month, you know? <laughs> you know, there's just, you could even feel like something in the air with these series, I think. As far as uh, yeah, I try to at watching a legal show nowadays, and they often just stink, just because they they they're so by the numbers, because they don't know really what to do, even if they have the headlines right for them, they just kind of feel like they should just have. I don't know. I, I feel like they just go for the content, where the judge bashes the gavel and the lawyers make a you know move at another, and then they forget all the substance. Yeah, I haven't been able to get into any since since david kelly's uh, so yeah he was and they he, would have some pretty good comedy and gags on there whereas like half the time you're even following what the receptionist is doing you know <laughs> yeah I, there was lots of comic relief in ba more in la law luca was later on sopranos even oh that's right and he's re i really have to say i i never knew I had seen him in other indie comedies, but I never knew he could do it so well here where he's like, your honor, can you just <laughs> wave to me and just acknowledge me and not make me look like an ass in this court? Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, no, I was really pleased at how legal began and an ended because, I mean, the special features are a lot of fun and – I mean, they could have gotten stale right fast, but each season was pretty much what? It, what? How is Denny Crane going to goof this up even more? 
you know, what is he going to say that they're going to have to deny or negate? I think I stopped watching that one pretty quickly. It just I didn't start, last great as much. <laughs> yeah, I started watching it and then I stopped. I don't remember exactly when I stopped, but I definitely stopped well before it finished. So it's I, not good. Yeah, um, I, on that. I think you would like the ending because basically, long story short, <laughs> Denny gets married. Oh, jeez. <laughs> to, to Alan Shore. Really? They love each other. Not not in a gay way, just as brothers. So they're just like, okay, we're going to get married and just be ran up. But, I mean, his dementia gets even more and more hysterical just because, again, he just can't keep his pants on. And he just oh. can't not say anything offensive. And having Candace Bergen on there was just hysterical because, I mean, she's, you know, the Shirley Schmidt in the three partners and it just was so hysterical how half the time we don't even see the third partner because he's even worse than Denny he's like gone bonkers and I mean what was even funnier I think was probably um just how the fact that half the time I mean Denny basically represents just the bored kid in school half the time he's not listening to any of the arguments that are being made and basically he just sinks to the lowest common denominator and by the way your honor this man is fat <laughs> And this how, guy... Is how many seasons did he run? Oh, it was five seasons. And five seasons. It, I it, it, I was glad that he ended it that way because he just he knew he couldn't just keep going on. I think Kelly at that point had really evolved as both a showrunner and as a writer because he's like... Um, he was looking at the history of his shows and he realized, okay, eventually everything has a certain amount of uh, time before it runs out of steam. And this is a five-year run, tops. I mean, that's, that's not serious. And that's and that's another thing, uh, like with with Breaking Bad, you know, like Gilligan's like, we're doing six seasons, it's ending, that's it. And yeah, it was a six-year run. Six-year, we know what we got. Of how it and got picked up. And the same and same thing with Better Call Saul. It's got one more season, I think, right? Or two more seasons. Uh, fortunately, one more season. I'm I'm so glad that everyone has had all the time to catch up on it, and they've been doing all the marathons with the actors actually talking in between the scenes, showing the making of. Yeah. Oh, I got to I, and I don't even think I've seen all those, but I want to see that. They were up. a lot of fun, especially when they show the shocking uh, shootout in last season. I'm like, oh wow. That uh, was not. That was a big deal because the creator was directing that episode, so you know, he yeah. was having the most fun. <laughs> um uh but yeah no uh it, it seems like when they try and do something even edgy nowadays i think a lot of people are tuning out because they just know that everything just gets canceled right away so they they're losing patience they really are there's definitely a lack of patience uh in i think just in general, but general, it's, right? like there's, it, it's going to happen when it's like, well, you wasted my time. <laughs> yeah, it did. It, yeah, it, it's funny because it's 20 years, 20 years is a long time and you know, society's changed. And uh, I don't know, would uh, would the Sopranos have worked today? Oh, very good question, because. The other shows wouldn't exist without it. Maybe they would exist. I mean, I think you would still have Sons of Anarchy type stuff. I think that owes way more to Oz just showing the different. Yeah, I think that's true. You could, I could but, but, but yeah, Power would not exist. Ray Donovan would not exist. You might have some version of Saul or Breaking Bad, but 
it would i mean you wouldn't have the shield definitely because they especially just kept saying you know this he's a mix of tony soprano and hannibal lecture with a badge <laughs> you know because that's all he does is, and i just like i had trouble getting people into power the sopranos because they're like oh i don't do thug stuff i had the same issue with the shield i could not get them into it because they're like oh it's another cop show i'm like no not yeah. at all like any crime show it's got cops but it's not a cop show i you know initially i may have been hesitant about uh the shield because of that initially but yeah no 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 <laughs> definitely not <laughs> and it's just so boring there's many times like i would try and uh marathon it and i couldn't because i would get a headache just i feel so claustrophobic sometimes just feeling trapped inside the interrogation rooms you know it you know there's a whole i mean and it's a great show, but I, uh, I was even it's an, an anxiety. It can just just watching some of these shows can make you feel that way for sure. You're right. I gotta I gotta just have a quiet. Yeah, this, this, this is too much. This is making me feel like I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like there's some creep watching it on me now. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can get that feeling, which I mean, they're. they're they did a good use of the voyeuristic aspect too. This is like well, you never saw that. Totally. Uh we'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could it's get out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. 
because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes and gratuitous It's time to get busy With your friend Stephen Izzy at eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I am your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? 
Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet. And in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jack-to-